Good morning, everyone. My name is Jonathan Little. Today, we are going to be discussing how to build a bankroll in 2024. Poker is booming. People are winning. And I want you to be winning. So, we're going to be discussing today how to build your bankroll. If anyone is here, say hello. People may be trickling in, maybe not. I returned home from Vegas a week or two ago, and then something happened. Oh, there was a holiday. So kids were off from school. I hung out with the kids last week. Here we are. I'm not going to be here next week either because I'm going back to Vegas. Turns out they put all the No Limit Hold'em tournaments at exactly the same time. And uh, so I've, I'm, it turns out I'm going to be in Vegas a lot in the month of January. But that is fine and good. I do not mind. February is going to be a chill month. Then I'm going to South Korea in March for the Triton series. We're going to get our gamble on and try to win. But today, we're going to be discussing how to build your bankroll. Today, in 2024, if you're watching this in 2027, probably still applies. Because, let's get real, to win at poker, you only have to do three things. I discuss this a lot. I'm sure I sound like a broken record to some of you. But all you have to do to win is find a game you can beat, play it a lot, and keep a proper bankroll. And we're going to be discussing those three things in depth today because you build a bankroll by winning at poker. And well, these are the things you have to do. So the first things you have to do, first things, first thing you have to do is find a game you can beat, which is easier said than done. So how do you win at poker? Well, you have two good options. The first is to find really bad players Find really bad players to play against. Wait, find really bad players to play against. Really, really bad. Really, they need to be really, 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 really bad. You need to find really bad players to play against. How can you do this? Well, there are a few ways. We'll talk about that in um, a second. Number two, you need to get really good at poker. I have a poker training site called pokercoaching.com, for those who do not know. Check it out. If you go through the cash game and or tournament masterclass, you're going to be better than almost all players you encounter in the small and medium stakes games. And you'll be able to do fine enough in the high stakes games. Then we have a lot of other content to help you even crush the high stakes games. So either find good, bad players to play against or get really good at poker. Now, how do you actually know if you're winning? Well, you have to keep track of your results. I just use a simple Excel spreadsheet. Personally, I used to use various phone apps and they would randomly stop updating or stop working. And that annoyed me to no end. So I just use a spreadsheet. I keep track of how many hours I play. I keep track of the buy-in. I keep track of how much I get out, et cetera, et cetera. Keep track of all the relevant information. So how do you find a, essentially, how do you find soft games? Because if your opponents are just really bad compared to you, then money will inevitably trickle your direction. Realize that game selection and table selection are vitally important. I know a lot of people want to say, I'm going to learn good GTO poker and play against the best players and crush them. Hate to break it to you, but even if you are very, very, very good at poker, if you're playing against the best players in the world, your edge will be low or small. This happens in the, to be fair, the tournaments I'm going to play in Las Vegas right now, leaving in two days, they're $10,000 buy-in tournaments and higher. Everyone there is at least okay at poker. No one there is completely giving away their money. So the potential edge in those games are going to be relatively low. Which is fine. I don't mind. Because I'm properly bankrolled. And low 
in a $10,000 buying tournament, maybe five or 10%, making 500 or a thousand bucks in a few hours is not so bad. Plus I like going to Vegas. So, uh, you know, two for one deal. So when can you find the softest games just in general? Where, well, in cash games, you're gonna want to play on nights and weekends typically, or when there are casino promotions that get people to fill the poker room. Typically as more and more people are in the poker room, the softer and softer the game will be. And this happens with tournaments too. If you're playing a thousand person tournament, it's gonna be pretty soft. If you're playing a 15 person tournament, maybe a whole lot tougher. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. But as more and more players play the event, the softer it typically is. So for cash game players, nights and weekends are vital. You can't just show up at noon on Tuesday and expect to play a super soft game. It just does not happen. I mean, maybe it happens if you're lucky, but probably not. If you play locally in your local region, you may find that there are a few really bad players that the games are built around. And whenever that player wants to play, mm, should probably find a way to be playing. I remember for a while, there was one particular player in the New Jersey area, uh, Pennsylvania area, who would just travel around playing like 2550 to 100, 200. And wherever that player went, games would run. And when that player was not there, the games would not run. Which, you know, is a bit of a predatory concept, I suppose. But at the same time, you win when you play against bad players. If you only play against bad players, you will win. There are some players who run private games that make sure pros do not get in. Why? Because they've come to the realization, if people are very good at poker and you're playing against them, they're probably going to win. So if you keep all the pros out and you're just okay and you play against horrible people, well, all of a sudden you're the big winner. That unfortunately is part of the landscape in 2024. You must accept it and you must deal with it. In tournaments, when are the games softest? Well, typically main events or you know events that have a lot of players. And then also events that have a lot of satellite qualifiers. I know a lot of satellite players hate it whenever I say satellite players are not as good at tournament players as tournament players are, but um, you know, football players are usually not as good at baseball as baseball players are. It's just how it goes. So you want to play when you are playing against players who are playing substantially bigger than they should be, when prestige is on the line and they're playing well out of their bankroll, and when they are excited, when people get excited and pumped up, they make bad decisions and they're overly emotionally involved and you're going to crush those players if you are just playing sanely. So those are the tournaments that are usually going to be the softest. Let's see what all of you are saying in the chat here. Good morning. You're part of a poker coaching. You had a friend coaching you and they didn't split it. How can you calculate cash if a cash game rake is beatable? So look, at the end of the day, right here, keep track of your results. I know a lot of people like to joke, more rake is better. Ha ha ha. You know, look, at the end of the day, if you sit and you play and you win on average, say you play a thousand hours in a cash game and you're winning. 10 big blinds per hour, game's probably beatable. If you play 1,000 hours and you're break even, well, it's tough to know. If you play 1,000 hours and you're losing 10 big blinds per hour, it's probably not beatable and you're probably bad. So, I mean, as a general rule of thumb, if, it, if it's like 5% uncapped rake in these private games, you're not gonna beat that. That's gonna be a very difficult rake to beat unless you're playing weak, tight, straightforward poker and you only put money in with the super nuts and your opponents are horrible. Uh, typically in most casinos, I mean, at one, two, no limit. If you're paying $6 or less, that's probably fine. If you're paying $10, eh, it's probably not okay. It's tough. I mean, that's five big blinds per decent pot. That's a lot. 
get a 10K bankroll to use online. What is the highest buy-in I would play? In tournaments or cash games? We have a bankroll. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. You're in Brooklyn near me. 10% no capped. Yeah, horrible. Horrible, horrible game. You're going to have a very tough time beating this unless you play super, super tight poker. Because essentially, every time you play a pot, the casino takes 10%, right? And you essentially have to play in spots where you have more than a 60-40 edge. So how do you have more than a 60-40 edge and no limit hold'em? This is oversimplifying it a bit, but how do you have more than a 60-40 edge? Well, the answer is play super good hands and make the pot huge when that's happening. How many times you get cheated and robbed matters. Sure, don't play in games where you think you're going to get cheated or robbed. Oh my gosh, I feel like a broken record. I've said this for only the last 15 years. I highly recommend you play on licensed, legal, regulated sites and poker venues. If you don't, you're live to get cheated or robbed or bought it or colluded or who knows what, right? Use some common sense, everyone. Use some common sense, everyone. Just because the game exists does not mean that you have to play. Now, I'm not saying to not necessarily play in these games that may be make you slightly suspect to getting robbed or cheated or whatever, because maybe it's worth the risk, right? Imagine you have a super duper soft home game and you think you're going to win. They'll say $1,000 a day. And if you do go there and you get robbed one out of a hundred times and you lose $5,000, well, you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars and you're going to lose 5,000. You're up 95,000 out the door. Good deal. Probably. Right. Um, obviously your life may be at risk. Maybe that's a risk you're willing to take. Maybe it's not. I personally don't want to risk my life at this point in my life. I have too much to lose. But if you don't, maybe it's worth it. That said, you can get robbed in the casino too, right? Obviously, you have to keep your eyes open. You have to pay attention. If you think something's shady, either say something or get out of there. First time watching live. Welcome, Eddie. Hope you're having a great day. You're having a hard time playing queen, queen after you get four bet and five bet shoved. You should probably fold. 10,000 hands is a big sample live at 25 hours per hands. I said 1,000. Only 1,000 live. I'm being I'm being reasonable here. Only 1,000. My site includes simulated games. Not even sure what you mean by this. Like where you can play against a bot? Not yet, but maybe soon. Give you some sites from New York to play on. I mean, look, in reality, Global Poker, Ignition, and ACR are your best options. Of those, I would recommend... Global poker, but it is what it is. Is it easier to win money at tournaments or cash games? Cash games, I think. Common sense for poker players, LOL. Hello, Louis Philippe. Louis Philippe runs our poker study sessions. He took down the GG Masters for 59K. Good job, good work. Is WSOP Michigan botted? I don't, I don't know. You have to realize, I don't know what is happening on all these various sites because I don't play on all these various sites and I'm not a, an online security expert. I'm a poker player. Anyone who has strong opinions about things they don't know about, um, how do we say this nicely? They're idiots. If you have strong opinions about things you don't know about, you're an idiot and should not be listened to, in my humble opinion. So is WSOP Michigan botted? I have never played on WSOP Michigan. I cannot tell you. Is PokerStars actually strictly regulated? Yes. Or just another money-driven site. It's regulated in, where, the Isle of Man? They've been operating well for many, many years. If I had to take my money and put it onto a poker site to be there for the next five years when I come back, it would be PokerStars. Funny enough, I actually had money locked up on PokerStars when COVID happened. And I just left it there. Wasn't worried about it. And then I went to play some PokerStars series, PCA. They let me... Get the money, no trouble, it was good. 
Look, any licensed legal regulated site's going to be fine. They are not going to rob you. They may have weird clauses in their documents like um, you got to log in every year or something or we'll take your money, which is obviously shady, but maybe that's the law, whatever, whatever. Um, I just got a letter from some online site saying they owe me $300 in revenue from people visiting my sites. I have not looked at the site in three years. Would you like to claim the money or we're going to take it? I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll take it. I guess I'll take the money. What time zone am I in? Eastern time zone in America. My kids wake up at 5 a.m. Is Bovada safe? You're not going to get killed playing there. You might get robbed or cheated or not paid. Look, if it's licensed, unlicensed, unregulated, not operating legally, yeah, you might get robbed or cheated or all that. Okay, period. Should you use a VPN? No, don't poop where you eat. Everyone knows to don't poop where you eat. What amount of, amount of poker is luck? In the long run, close to zero. Do you like mystery bounty tournaments? No, mystery bounty tournaments are horrible for good players. They're absolutely atrociously bad because they spread the money out to people who are not naturally winning in the poker tournaments. If you're a professional poker player, you want the games to be winner take all because you take first place more often than other people. Jason just said something that crushes countless people. If you play on a site because they have paid in the past, and that's your main reason for trusting that site, don't be shocked when you get robbed. All sites pay until they don't. Period. Now, the licensed legal regulated ones are way more likely to pay because some government is making them pay and making them keep funds on hand. An unlicensed, unregulated site operating illegally in a jurisdiction is probably not regulated by much of anything, and uh, no one's making them pay. We've seen this time and time again in the poker space. The sites that are not regulated are far more likely to go down than the regulated ones, and when they do, they are not going to pay you. Okay? Again, they've been fine until now. They've been fine until now. Right? When would you consider a cash game beaten? I mean, look, if you're if you're winning at a decent win rate in the long run, then you're beating it. Simple as that. All right. Find a game you can beat, play it a lot, keep a proper bankroll, play when the game is soft. That'll make your life a million times easier. Back when I used to play Bellagio every day, I'd play either 510, 1020, or 25.50 No Limit Hold'em. I'd go into the casino at roughly 11.30 a.m. I would usually sit and start the 10.20 game. It starts at about noon, okay? So I would sit down and play, and often the game was okay, but I would be waiting on the 510 list. There was usually 510 games already running. And if the game was popping off, I'd leave that 1020 game and go play the 510 game. Smaller game, but you can probably have a bigger win rate if the players are not very good. Um, and I would be on the 2550 list. It would not be started yet. If the 2550 game started running, I would happily get in there and try to make it play if the 1020 game was no good. And I'd play 2550. All right. So I have these options to play games. So I have three games I can reasonably play. And probably one of them each day is going to be soft enough. And I would usually play pretty late. I put in 12 or 14 hour sessions every day. And I didn't mind. I mean, I think a lot of people are allergic to work. They think it's it's bad to work or bad to put in hours. I don't, I don't mind. And I would make a point to try to play in the softest of those three games, ideally in one of the few best seats at the table. And if you do that over and over and over and over and over again, you're gonna make sure you are consistently in profitable scenarios. What's your opinion on gambling addiction? Again, I'm not a professional psychologist. I know plenty of people who seem to be horribly addicted to gambling. Don't do that. Should you get into PLO? PLO is a horrible game if you want to make money in the long run, in my opinion, in my opinion, because the game is super slow. 
And edges are typically smaller if you're playing against anyone competent. I think a lot of people are currently jaded by PLO. They love, what's well, jaded the right word? A lot of people like PLO because a lot of people are really bad at it. But give it a few years. People are not going to be really bad at it anymore. And, um, well, then then you're just not saying flipping coins, but instead of being able to get it in with pretty good odds, you, you won't be able to. How do you become profitable in tournaments? Expenses, expenses are expensive. Keep expenses low. Play bigger. Don't travel for small stuff. I think a lot of people butcher themselves in small stakes tournaments because they think they have to play everything they possibly can, and they travel around to play $100 and $200 and $300 buy-in tournaments. If you expect to make $50 a day playing poker, well, uh, yeah, you can't do that. Which is why if you're going to travel, you need to be playing, I don't even know, $1,500 buy-in tournaments and bigger. It does not make logical sense to travel to small buy-in tournaments. It just does not um, from a financial point of view, unless you can play soft cash games in all the spare time, right? Really, it's just a, it's a math problem, right? Say your expenses are $200 a day. Well, you have to make more than 200 bucks per day to cover them, right? Common sense. So how do you do it? Well, invest more money, play in softer games, et cetera, et cetera, right? So um, let's say you do find yourself where you can invest $1,000 a day on average and you think you're gonna make 30% on it. Now you're making 300 bucks per day, minus 200 expenses, 100 bucks a day. Not a lot, it needs to be playing more than that, right? You need to be playing bigger than that in order to make any money. So how do you do that? Well, the answer is simply you don't travel to play small stakes stuff. You can't do it. If you know how to play every game, you can choose the best game in the room instead of just no limit. Natty, while that is true, it's incredibly difficult to get very good at every game. A lot of people think they're good at every game, but they are not. Being merely competent at every game is a great way to get crushed because you will never be the best player in the game. And yeah, you may have more opportunities to choose the soft spots, but at the same time, you're never gonna be the best player in the game, right? So um, I have spent a lot of time learning Limit Hold'em, Pot Limit Omaha, and No Limit Texas Hold'em. But if you put me in a quote-unquote soft Limit Hold'em or Pot Limit Omaha game, I'm probably not gonna be the best player. It'll be like number two or three. So while it does make logical sense for me to play those games sometimes, back when I played at Bellagio every day, I would play Limit Hold'em or PLO probably one day per month when the game was just popping off. I, quite often, it does not make sense to spread your study time around because you're probably not super proficient at all the games to begin with. Maybe you are, maybe you are. I mean, look, I've devoted 20 years of my life to poker and I have devoted, I don't know, a year, a year and a half to PLO and a, a three or four years to Limit Hold'em and that'll make you pretty good. Most people though, don't devote that much time and effort to learning something. Okay, number two, what do you gotta do? You gotta play the game a lot. And I say the game, I mean the game you have an edge in. You've already found a game you can beat. Now you need to put your butt in the chair and play because you make some amount of money per hand you are dealt in on average. Now, some people, and I would say mostly tournament players, not necessarily though, they value high quality play over high volume. Okay? And I personally... Prescribe to that only a little bit. Some of these players, though, prescribe to it a lot. And that results in them not putting in a whole lot of volume. But when they do play, they think their edge is much bigger than it would be if they played two or three times as much volume. Also, maybe these players don't actually like, call it, working. Maybe they don't want to grind so much. 
But these players are going to go on way bigger swings because they are not actually putting in a whole lot of volume. Volume cures variance at the end of the day. And I personally like to know I'm probably going to win over the course of any sort of reasonable time frame, like a year or two, right? If you only play 50 tournaments a year, you're going to lose a lot. Hate to break it to you. If you play 300 tournaments a year, though, you're way more likely to be up at the end of 300 tournaments compared to 50 tournaments, even if your edge in each of those tournaments is somewhat smaller. Maybe that's the, the difference. They think their edge may be like five times the size or something if they don't play so much, whereas I think your edge may be two times the size if you don't play so much. Um, that said, I, I, what has worked for me and most of my friends? Sit your butt in the chair and play a lot. If you do not play, you do not extract value. Okay? If you do not play, you do not extract value. And if you do not extract value, if the money's not flowing in, you do not grow your bankroll. Understand that most people who are not professional poker players don't get to play all that much. They think that playing once a week or once a month or three days a week, they think that's a lot. And maybe for them it is. But it's just not a lot of volume in the long run and you will experience a lot of swings in terms of time. You have to realize time is not the relevant metric. The relevant metric is hands or buy or tournaments or buy-ins, right? So if you're playing, let's say, I don't know, 600 hands of poker a week, that's not a lot of hands of poker. It just isn't. And you got to recognize that and be accepting of that. You have to understand what you are signing up for. I think a lot of people in poker don't really know the game they're signing up for. And that results in them being mad or disgruntled or angry when things don't go well over the, any sort of short time frame. It happens. Get used to it. What should your buy-in be for tournaments when you're starting? As small as possible. Because if you don't know what you're doing, you should play small stakes. Is a 1-3 game with 10% no-cap rake beatable? Depends on how bad they are. Probably not. I already said 5% is tough to beat. Hello from Germany. Hope you're having a great day. I have a new book that came out recently. For those who do not know, 100 Essential Tips to Master No Limit Hold'em. Go check it out. If you like this show, you'll like this book. Many of the topics in this book were inspired by this exact show. Only 17 likes. Ah, people don't like discipline content. Sorry. Are we talking about taking shots? Later, be patient. If you're making $100 an hour early in a session and being deeper affects your play, should you bank winning sessions? Probably not. You need to learn how to play poker. If you play three hours every day and then quit, you're only making 300 bucks a day. Why do our charts have calling ranges and GTO Wizard seems to prefer three better fold? We have different types of charts. We have six-handed charts uh, with rake for cash. I presume we're talking about cash games. Six-handed charts with rake. Uh, you almost always three better fold. We also have eight-handed cash game charts with no rake. In those scenarios, you will call more. And then we have tournament charts that have rake and ante. In those games, you have a much wider calling range. So you're probably comparing two charts that are not the same, if I had to guess. You're probably comparing eight-handed no rake charts to six-handed rake charts, if I had to guess. I have looked at our ranges in GTO Wizards ranges. They are pretty much identical. What's the most important characteristics of a soft game? You want people partying. You want to see people playing big pots with nonsense hands. Just got your poker coach and premium hat. Awesome. Glad to hear it. 
If you're new to Poker Wes, check out pokercoaching.com slash fundamentals. That's sort of a prerequisite to the Cash Game and Tournament Masterclass. Are small stakes games beatable? Absolutely. Zoom are regular games. Definitely regular. Zoom games are very tough. I thought about streaming poker online tournaments like Daniel Neg. I've done that for many, many years. Not recently, though. I don't think it's worth the effort. We have plenty of content over at pokercoaching.com. Check it out. You know what? Every time I've tried to stream over like the last year, I've been in Vegas in this condominium I like to stay at. And their internet's just not perfect. It's just not perfect. And if you don't have pretty good internet, you're not going to be able to stream very well. And I have not made a point to fix it because I don't want to sit and play online poker all day. I don't want to do that anymore. I only did that for 15 years of my life. That was enough for me. I still play some. But when I play online poker, I like to play like 20 tables at a time. Okay? I'm not playing to pass time. I'm not playing to sit there and play two tables at a time and hang out for eight hours streaming. That's not what I like doing. It's just not what I like doing. And when I stream 20 tables at a time, people don't like it because they can't follow the action. I can, but they can't. And I get it. It's hard to follow someone 20 tabling, even if they are talking about what's going on. So, I don't know. It's not for me. If you can only put in volume online, you've been up each year, 3K each year, even with a massive downswing. Anyway, well, Ecoland, you're, you're saying stuff. You approach Zoom with a different strategy from regular tables. I mean, look, uh, you need to quickly identify who the fish are in the field of Zoom. If they are playing, then that's probably okay. If they're not playing, it's not good. Um, you need to play way closer to GTO in Zoom games because people are typically playing very, very good. I mean, it's well known that like 2-5 on PokerStar Zoom is one of the toughest games on the internet. Because what happens is a lot of the best players in the world sit around waiting to play 100, 200, and 50, 100 and stuff, and nobody wants to play with them. So to pass the time, they work on their GTO poker by sitting and grinding out Zoom games good spot to practice because you get to play a lot of hands quickly but it's hard to win any money because you're doing that against a lot of the best players in the world and they'll all sit there and play four tables of zoom you know your advice after playing a lot of poker online is that it's rigged <laughs> most people who think online poker is rigged are just not that good at poker they didn't find a game they can beat what sites do i recommend for europeans poker stars party poker gg poker etc all right next Keep a proper bankroll. How do you build a bankroll? Well, you have to have some money to make money, unfortunately, in poker. You have to have at least 10 or $15. If you are out of money, you are out of action. Simple as that. So you have to keep a proper bankroll if you want to ensure you have lots of profitable opportunities to play. And for that reason, I always recommend keeping way more than the required bankroll amounts. Long time ago, my first poker coach, Bill Seymour, said... Take a look at what your return on investment is in tournaments. Okay, say it's 25%. He said, all right, get about twice as much of a bankroll as you need for that. Okay, so let's say I need whatever, 200 buy-ins. It's like, all right, now double that. <laughs> now I need 400 buy-ins. And if you do that, it's basically impossible for you to go broke. And on top of that, you'll be able to take shots reasonably well at bigger gains when they come around because you're way more than adequately bankrolled. It also helps you sleep at night way easier. If you have 400 buy-ins and you lose 15 of them, who cares, right? But if you have 50 buy-ins and you lose 15 of them, you just lost a third of your money. That can start to make people go crazy. As online, as Louis Philippe here says, online poker is easy. You just got to find a game you can beat and play it a lot, which is what Louis Philippe teaches at pokercoaching.com and in our study sessions. When you play 20 tables, you don't really know how players play. Incorrect. Incorrect. 
basically you play by the book. Well, you play good, strong GTO poker. Can you really exploit playing 20 tables? Correct. There are these things called heads-up displays that put statistics on the screen that say how people play. Say you know someone folds their big blind way too often. What should you do on the button? You can look at that number. See if number, big blind defense is too low. You raise substantially wider from the button. Say someone three bets too much. You know what three bet percentage looks like. Say you raise, they three bet, and you know they three bet too much. Obviously four bet way more, right? So you can see this stuff quickly, quickly, quickly. And then you exploit. I exploit all the time playing online, as you should. Do you have any poker coaching sales coming up? I don't know. Send us an email, support at pokercoaching.com. All right, how many buy-ins and uh, big blinds do you actually need? Well, it depends on your win rate in cash games. I love it when someone says, sorry, sorry to pick on here. I've been playing since 2016. I know what I'm doing. I hate to pick on you here, but, but. Just because you've experienced something does not, not mean that that is what reality is. Just because you have lost consistently does not mean other people lose consistently. I have won relatively consistently. Louis Philippe is teaching people in study sessions to lose consistently today in 2024 on sites that are even thought to be kind of tough. So how is that happening for them, but not you? Well, maybe what you are doing is not necessarily the optimal thing. It's important to realize that just because you have experienced something and just because you do something does not mean it is logical or right or fundamentally sound. And that's okay. That's okay. Recognize that just because something happens for you does not mean that it happens for everyone. And if the river comes every time badly for you, I have to imagine you're not putting in volume because volume cures variance. Okay? Okay. All right, here's the winner, uh, cash, uh, what am I saying? Here are the cash game bankroll requirements for live cash games and online cash games. Here we have our win rate, and here we have our bankroll needed at one, two, okay? And you can just, you know, change this number for whatever number your, your game is. If you're winning at three big blinds per 100 hands, you need something like 10,000 big blinds or at one, two, about 20,000 bucks. That may sound like a lot. You need $20,000 to play one, two, no limit. Well, if your edge is small, you do. And this actually presumes a somewhat decent risk of ruin to where you're going to be pretty willing to move down if things go poorly. So when should you play with this low of an edge? This is like one big blind per hour, $2 per hour if you're playing live. When should you play with that low of an edge? And the answer is pretty much never. Okay, this is what you kind of a win rate you can expect in tough Zoom games for those who were wondering. You need a big bankroll to play the tough Zoom games. If you're playing online and you're pretty good, you may win at five or seven big blinds per hour. I'm sorry, per 100 hands. Something like this. Okay, which means you need between like 60 and 80 buy-ins for online cash games. Something like this. If you're a big live winner, I was usually winning something like uh, uh, 10 to 12 big blinds per hour which is something like 25 big blinds for 100 hands, maybe 30 big blinds for 100 hands, whatever. Now you don't actually need that much of a bankroll at all. However, again, I would recommend you have a much bigger bankroll than this because you don't really want to go broke and you don't want to be out of action and you don't want to be worried about money. It's very important in my mind to not be worried about money. Some people think they play better under pressure, but I haven't seen a single person who plays better whenever they are worried about getting kicked out of their apartment and feeding their family. Typically, people play better when they can think soundly. How is a recreational player supposed to save up 20K? Jason, did I just say recreational player supposed to save up 20K? Come on, man, listen. 
I don't think I said at all that a recreational player should save up $20,000 to play one to no limit hold'em. I'm just going to throw this out here, by the way. If you're a recreational player, have you proven a win rate? If you are not a proven winner in a game, you have no reason to think you should be a proven winner in a game. You should actually think you're going to be a loser in the game, right? Because you have no experience. If I decided I'm going to go do brain surgery on the weekends, should I think that I, without any sort of medical degree whatsoever, should be good at brain surgery? Probably not, right? Maybe I could practice a few times, then I'd be a little bit better, but I'm still not going to be a professional level brain surgeon, right? So recognize that if you're a recreational player, you're kind of goofing off at this point. You're trying to get better. You're learning. You're taking this as a hobby and you're trying to improve your skills. So do you need to be properly bankrolled? Well, presumably if you're a recreational player, you have a job, right? So you have money coming in to the point that losses will not be devastating. But... At the same time, if you say I'm going to set aside $400 per month to play one, two, you're going to go on $400 downswings all the time, right? So you're going to be out of action a lot. So maybe you do need some amount of money to last you however many sessions you're playing each month to the point that you're not just like consistently out of money. I would definitely recommend not spending your money. What a lot of people do whenever they play poker and they win, they take their money and they spend it on stuff. Back when I was a young kid, me and one other player from my hometown were good at poker and we crushed the local poker games. And every time I won, I would save my money and play bigger. He would take his money and buy a CD. He loved Eminem CDs. He'd buy so many Eminem CDs, all of them. And after a year or two of this, he had a lot of Eminem CDs. And I had a lot of money. And I don't know where that guy is today, but I don't think he's a poker player anymore, at least not at small stakes or medium stakes or high stakes. But I bet he still has a lot of CDs unless he had to sell them. If you can sell CDs, is that a thing? And your bankroll is not an ATM. Do not take all the money out of your bankroll. Take the money, save it up, and use that to allow you to play bigger and bigger and bigger. The problem with a lot of recreational players is they think they're doing this to supplement their income. Get that out of your head immediately. Get the idea that you're going to supplement your income out of your head immediately because you're not a proven winner. And also, if you take money out of your bankroll consistently for anything, it's going to make it very difficult for you to move up. Because you're not building your bankroll. If you don't build your bankroll, you can't move up. Today I can buy more M&M CDs than that guy. Yes, I could I could probably buy a whole lot of M&M CDs if I felt inclined. You watch the streamer do a $100 to a $10,000 challenge and he works full time. Took him eight months. Yeah. Definitely doable. The problem is, even then $10,000 is not a ton of money. I will say though, 100 to 10,000 in eight months of part-time play is actually pretty good if you think about it, right? You go from having no money to $10,000. And then the $10,000 will let you play 10 cent, 25 cent online. Then you can continue grinding it up, right? The nice thing about playing poker is that if you move up in stakes and you double your bankroll, you double your win rate kind of, a little bit less than double, but you know, you almost double your win rate a lot of the time, especially if you're very good. Because look, if you can beat 10 cent, 25 cent online, your win rate at 25 cent, 50 cents is not gonna be much lower. So... Yeah, it's a great way to, poker is a great way to get rich slowly. I think I literally say that in a slide or two. Poker is a great way to get rich slowly. Here we have some tournament buy-in requirements, assuming you have a 30% return on investment. If 
your return on investment is higher, you need fewer buy-ins. If your uh, return on investment is lower, you need more buy-ins. Notice, as variance increases, because there are more players, you need way more buy-ins. A lot of people don't understand this. Almost everyone who plays 5,000-person World Series of Poker events or any of these Colossus, Goliath, multi-day one things that have 5,000 people, you need a lot of buy-ins, like 500 buy-ins to be properly bankrolled for this because you basically never win the tournament. It's hard to win a 5,000-person tournament. I mean, do some math, right? If you think you're going to win one in 2,500 times, that means you have to play 2,500 times to get a win. And, you know, maybe you get a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. Or any final table, that's a pretty good score. Now you, need, you can do that one in 250 times. So, how many of those do you play in a year? Probably not 250. Let's say you play 50 of them in a year. That means it's going to take you five years to make one final table. Five years of grinding to make one final table. You cool with that? A lot of people aren't. They think they are, but they're not. They think they're going to show up and they're going to win. So, be aware of that. Um, we'll talk about buy-in spreads in a minute. Should you always buy in for the max? No, I discussed this thoroughly at pokercoaching.com. What's the minimum amount of hands played to determine your win rate? Depends on what accurately means. As you play more and more, your results get more and more accurate. For example, if we go and we play 10 hands of poker, heads up, odds are I'm going to win more than you on average if I'm a better heads up player than you. But over the course of 10 hands, I could very easily lose, right? If we play 10,000 hands, I'm probably going to win closer to every time. And as we play a million hands, I'm going to win almost every time, assuming I'm better than you, right? What average buy-in is the tournament masterclass suitable for? I don't know. $1,500 buy-in tournaments live, $200 tournaments online. Yeah, pretty good games. Recognize you have to have some discipline. If you play games out of your bankroll on a regular basis that you cannot beat, you will not win at poker, period. You cannot win if you play at a disadvantage, period. There's no rush to get rich. Everyone thinks they have to get rich immediately. But go back to that streamer. I don't even know who it is. If you turn $100 into 10000 in eight months, they literally got 100x with probably relatively low variance. Now, maybe they gambled hard. I don't know. Whenever I first started playing, I turned $50 into $320,000 over three years. Three years of grinding hard. I did grind hard. I played a lot. 12, 14 hour days, pretty much every day. But 50 to 350K or 320K is a very good result. And I never had a tournament score bigger than $1,000. One, $1,000. Because I only played sit and goes. I played limit hold'em and sit and goes entirely. Over and over and over and over and over again in games where I have a small edge. Small edge, small edges compound over time. Okay? A lot of people don't like that, though. They want to get rich quick. They want to go buy in for $10 and win a $15,000 jackpot. And then they want to take that $15,000 and play a $2,000 mystery bounty and pull the $500,000 mystery bounty and be rich. Hate to break it to you. It's probably not going to happen for you. Instead, take it slow, right? And when I say slow, I don't mean don't play a lot. I mean play a ton in games where you have an edge over and over and over again and stack the money. 
and then move up logically as your bankroll is adequate for the next higher gain. And one thing you're going to find that if you do have difficulty maintaining, dis uh, maintaining discipline and you are always trying to gamble and play bigger is to just have a little bit of discipline one time and don't. Don't take the next gamble that you feel inclined to take. You don't have to. And as you do the right thing of not gambling in bigger games where you may not have an edge, more and more and more again, that will just become normal. I'm going to give you a good example. I'm going to get my butt up and go to South Korea in March to play the Triton tournaments. But I'm not planning on playing the biggest buy-ins they have there. I'm going to play the small ones and the medium ones, you know, 15,000 up to 50,000. And that's because I've observed the fields in general and the 100Ks start to get pretty tough. So I'm not even planning to play them. Now, if I do go there and I have a good series, things go well, and we have some extra money on hand, and very importantly, the game is soft. I'm not going to buy it on time. I can already tell you that. I'm going to go there and I'm going to look at it. And if it looks abnormally soft, yeah, I'll hop in. But if it's not, I will not. I'm not going to sell action for that. I'll sell some action for that on Poker Stake, probably. No markup, of course. If anyone wants to buy a big chunk, you can send me an email and I'll sell you a big chunk. Realize, though, that if you do the right thing more often than not, doing the right thing will become routine. Another good example. Going to PokerGo Studio in two days. And they have $10,000 buy-in tournaments, which I'm very adequately bankrolled for. But I will not necessarily re-enter if I bust. Why? Well, if all the good players get a hold of the chips and they're, the bad players have already gone broke, there's not going to be much of an edge because it's just me and a bunch of good players. We talked about this earlier, right? So if it's me a bunch of, and a bunch of good players, where's the edge going to come from? And the answer is there's no edge, right? So if that's the case, then why even play? Go do other stuff, right? I have plenty of stuff to do. I'm busy. But if I bust and the weaker players have accumulated the chips, I'm more than happy to rebuy any number of times because you expect to have an edge in those spots, right? And there's like no mental anguish that goes into this for me at this point because yeah, I'm going to Vegas to play. I don't want to sit out, right? But if the game's not profitable, why would you play? It just does not make sense. Especially when you have to pay rake and take time and all of that. It doesn't make sense. What if you want to move up? You have a full-time job and crush 1-3, playing 40 hours a month with very little variance. Then move up, man. I mean, look, if you're already crushing the games, move up. If you want to move up, move up. Do it. You're a little chunk buyer. Well, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. Buy whatever action you want. I actually have a little bit of action still available for these PokerGo tournaments. I put some action on uh, PokerStake.com. No markup for all of you. I do it for fun. Is it possible to win at very low stakes with minimal exploitation? Yes. Online games are very soft at small stakes. All games are very soft at small stakes. Are you standing up? No, I'm sitting in a chair. I have a new chair. It's a little bit higher, a little bit higher than my previous chair. Okay, you're happy with your 1,200 a month profit. Well, wouldn't you be happier with 2,500 a month profit? Let's talk about taking shots before we wrap it up today. I have a poker coaching webinar happening, by the way. If you are a poker coaching member, make sure you get in our poker coaching webinar starting in 15 minutes. What are the best sites to play on? We already talked about this. All right. If a game is a little too big for your bankroll, 
but it is exceptionally soft. It's probably fine to just play. All other things considered uh, the same, right? Say you normally play 300-person tournaments, $100 buy-in, and this month at your casino, there's going to be some tournament series where it's a $200 buy-in and they're adding money to the prize pool and um, maybe the field's going to be a little bit bigger. Should you play that? Probably. Because your edge is going to be the same or maybe even bigger and the variance is not going to be a whole lot bigger and, you know, it's going to make what's referred to as your average buy-in a little bit bigger. Now, when we were discussing these bankroll numbers over here, this presumes your average buy-in because you're not always going to play the same buy-in, right? So in tournaments, let's say you normally play $100 buy-in tournaments. Maybe sometimes you play $50 tournaments. Sometimes you play $200 tournaments. But if the average is $100, you are going to be fine. Now, what a lot of people do wrong here is they crush the $50 games and they get crushed in the $200 games. And they consistently want to try to play the $200 games without realizing that they're actually playing tough $200 buy-in games. So you have to make sure that the upper end of your buy-in level is primarily played when the games are abnormally soft. It's vitally important. With uh, cash games, right? Back when I used to play mostly 10-20, some 5-10, some 25-50. I did not play every 25-50 game. Sometimes 100-200 ran and I played it. But only when the game was exceptionally soft, right? And the nice thing about my spot back then is that I was actually bankrolled for very soft 100-200 games even a long time ago. Because if I adequately assess my edge in the game, maybe I only need 40 or 50 buy-ins, right? And you're good to go. But you have to make sure that you are ideally playing the times you are taking shots when the games are the absolute softest. If you normally play 1-3 no limit in your local casino and you want to move up to 2-5, don't play it on a random Tuesday when it's all regs. Play it on Saturday night when everyone's having a party, right? Play your normal game when your normal game is tougher and play the soft, bigger game when it's soft, right? And that's going to hopefully ensure that you're playing at soft tables and games you can beat just for more money. When you are playing for more money, don't get stressed out about it. Don't freak out and think, oh my God, I'm playing for more money. Now I have to do something different. It's the exact same game. It's the exact same thing. Where's the webinar? Oh my gosh. If you go to pokercoaching.com and log in, there should be a link right at the top of the page. If there's not, we have trouble. Wouldn't that be funny if I have this webinar and they didn't schedule it? They definitely scheduled it. It's on my schedule. Go to pokercoaching.com. It's in the dashboard. Um, if you do take shots, move down if your shots fail. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Maybe what you do is, let's say you are a one to no limit player and you have, I don't know, $12,000 to your bankroll and you think you only need like seven because you're a pretty big winner, right? Say you grind it up to 12000 Maybe you give yourself a $3,000 shot at 2-5 when the game is soft. So you go and you buy in for, let's say, 500 bucks, you know, 100 big blinds, and you give yourself six bullets, six times, and you realize you're going to do your best to play absolutely normally at 2-5 when the game is softest. If you fail, you go from 12 down to nine, which is still more than the seven you need, right? And then you can keep grinding your 1-2 game where you know you have a pretty decent win rate. Now, what happens to a lot of people is they get in their heads that when they move to 2-5 and play for a little bit, maybe that 3,000 doesn't go well, it doesn't go poorly. You just kind of like hang out there on nights and weekends for, I don't know, three months breaking even because the game is maybe tougher than you thought it was. If that shot inevitably goes poorly or you see you're just not winning in the games over some sample size, maybe you need to move down. Maybe you're not skilled enough, right? 
We talked about this right at the top of the show. To find a game you can beat, you must either play against really bad players, which you're not doing. You're trying to move up. I mean, you are playing on nights and weekends when the game should be softer, but you're moving up. People will inevitably be better as you move up, especially the good regulars. And you're not actually spending your time getting good at poker. If you spend all of your time sitting at the poker table, grinding, maybe you're getting a little better, but you're going to get better really slowly at a glacial pace. How do you get better? You study a ton. Realize that as you get better and better and move up and up and up, your opponents are spending time working on getting better at poker. They just are. And if you are not, because you put all spend all of your time sitting in the poker chair grinding, you're not getting better. I actually think my poker game got a lot worse in those three years that I sat at Bellagio all day every day because I didn't study a ton in those three years. I just sat there and I extracted the value. And I extracted a lot of value, about you know 350K a year, give or take. And that's fine and good, but I was not getting better at poker at all. I completely neglected studying poker. And well, that's not good, right? But at the same time, I had a huge edge at that individual point in time and I was happy to sit there and grind all day every day recognize though that if you are grinding and breaking even in a game like I was not breaking even I was crushing them right if you're grinding and breaking even in a game and your skills are slowly declining you're getting behind right and if you're consistently getting behind and your opponents are consistently getting better because maybe they're not playing so much maybe they are studying more or whatever right that's going to be very 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 bad for you so if you are in the spot where you did take a shot and it's not necessarily going horribly wrong. It's not horribly failing, but it's not going well either. You probably do want to move back down and just keep your eyes open for games that are abnormally soft. Because if you consider in your local casino on nights and weekends, maybe it just turns out Saturday when the one big fish is playing, those are the softest days. Well, maybe only play once a month or twice a month when that super fish plays. And then the other times you play your normal game, right? Mac user, should you buy Hold'em Manager or Poker Tracker? I don't think either of those work on Macs, do they? I think the only one that works on Mac is called Poker Copilot. Macs are not good for poker at all, in my opinion. Sorry. <laughs> I actually got like the top of the line Mac. This was probably like eight or 10 years ago. And every time I would open up any poker program, it would just crash. It was horrible. It was a horrible experience. I had to give, I, had to, I just gave the computer away. I didn't even want it. Problem is Windows crash half the time too. None of the computers work, but that's okay. <laughs> poker tracker works on mac cool good hopefully it works well poker tracker hold a manager they're all kind of the same in my opinion they're owned by the same company they do the same things pretty much and they're owned by the same company they're probably pretty much the same um so look that's it for today at the end of the day you must have discipline you must have discipline you must have discipline put your butt in the chair and play simple as that to win at poker to build your bankroll find a game you can beat play it a lot keep a proper bankroll do it and you will win do you have advice on free rolls? Yeah, don't play them. Is that too harsh? You should probably not play free rolls because they're bad for practice because people are not playing for real. And they're bad for making money unless the free roll is for a very large amount. Most free rolls are for like a dollar or $10, where if you win, you get a dollar. And even if you're very good, maybe you're making what? 20 cents an hour? It's just not good money, right? I would highly recommend if you can scrape together $50, you should be playing... 10 cent buy-in tournaments instead of $1 free rolls or $10 free rolls because people are going to be playing closer for real and you can actually start to have some positive win rates. Whereas whenever you're playing the free rolls, you just cannot win much money at all. I mean, it's fine if you have like totally absolutely nothing, but I would tell you to get a job and make $50. 
and then put that online and then play for that. I think a lot of people get stuck in the idea that, oh, I can, I can win money for free. The problem is, is that it's just a bad win rate. It's a bad hourly rate. Your time, no matter who you are in this world, is worth more than five cents an hour, in my opinion. How do we get a lot of volume live when you can't multi-table? You play a ton. I sat there and played 12-hour, 14-hour days almost every day for three years. Simple as that. Do you mean I have to be able to win at poker at first before I can build a bankroll? Yes. Find a game you can beat. Play it a lot. Keep a proper bankroll. People asking about hold a manager and all this stuff. Um, ask their support. I'm not hold a manager support. I don't know what possessed you to come to my YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you're watching this on and thinking, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask this person a technical support question about hold a manager. That's a good idea. Sorry, sorry. It's just funny to me. What else do you want to talk about? Like brain surgery again? You want to go back to that one? I'm going to ask him a brain surgery question. Whenever you open up the head, you cut on the left side or the right side first. Depends where the trouble is, I guess, but that could not even be right. I don't know. Not a professional. Sorry. I'm certainly not an IT tech expert. A long time ago, my parents would get mad when I couldn't answer their computer programs because they thought that I... I'm a computer person. I know how to make poker work on the computer. I must be good at computers. Hate to break it to you. I'm not the technical one here. That's it for today. Is this webinar free? Which webinar? This one right here. We did. It. We do a lot of stuff on YouTube for free. If you're a Poker Coaching Premium member, head over to PokerCoaching.com. That is not free. However, you can sign up and pay. And if you don't like it within a month, send me an email. Cancel it. We'll give you all your money back. So kind of for free. Free to try. Uh, so yeah, that's starting soon. What's the question today? I think it's a doozy. Let's see. What is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? What is the question today? In a live cash game with 200 big blind stacks, action folds you on the button. What do we do? That's an easy one. This is too big. Ugh, I'm going to have to resize all this. Whatever. That's an easy one. Suppose you race the three big blinds and the small blind three bets. What do we do? Four bet polarized, of course. Four bet red, call blue, full green. Easy enough. Everybody should have got that right. If you didn't get that right, you're not going to make it in 2024. All right, suppose we call. Flop comes, 752. They bet 14 big blinds. What do we do? Eh, something like this. Suppose we call. Turns an ace of diamonds and they check. What do we do? This is something a lot of people are going to get wrong. On this ace of diamonds turn, would you believe you should not actually bet very many aces? Here's GTO here. Take a look at this. You should not bet very many aces at all in this spot. Why? Because they should have a lot of aces here. And with 200 big blinds deep, you just can't put in a lot of money with stuff like ace-eight. So you don't get to bet very often. Instead, you bet with a lot of drawy type stuff and you're super nuts. Deep stacked, super nuts. Very important. All right, check, check. Where's the 10 of hearts? They bet 13 big blinds. They bet small. How thin do we raise for value? We'll leave that one for the webinar. That's me for today. I hope you're all, you all have a wonderful week, a wonderful time. I'm not going to be here next week because I'm going to be in Las Vegas trying to win some money for myself and for all of you who want to buy some of the action. You can get that at pokerstake.com. Make sure you check out the new book, 100 Essential Tips to Master No Limit Hold'em. Good luck in your games. Have fun. Make the most of your opportunities. Your time is worth more than five cents per hour. You have the discipline to succeed even in the tough environment of 2024. Poker coaching app is buggy. Indeed, we made a giant update and some of the stuff's not working. We are working on it currently. I know it makes me angry. 
any plans fixed. Look, if anything's ever broken or not working on my site, send us an email, let us know, and know that we have a team working on it. I'm going to go now. I have this webinar to do for poker coaching members. Have a great day. I'll talk to all of you next time. Bye-bye.